Well, today we're wrapping up the sermon series that we've been in the last month where we've been asking one big question together. And that question is this, where do we go from here? In the midst of sickness and death all around us, in the midst of the economic challenges that we face, societal unrest, where do we go from here as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ? We've been talking about what direction or what directions we need to move in in the days ahead. And while we've been discussing different answers to this question as people of faith inside these walls or while you're watching in your homes scattered throughout Henry County and beyond, people in the wider world have been asking and offering up answers to this same question. I mean, if you just turn on the nightly news or open up your your social media apps on your phone or listen to talk radio, you'll discover there are many different answers and many different ways forward that people are proposing. I mean, if you think about it, the, the professional economists, the amateur economists, your Facebook friends who think they're economists, they're, they're all posing answers to, to, okay, how can we have more jobs? How can we have more money in 401ks and in people's pockets at the end of the month? They're, they're offering up answers to this question of how do we move forward? Where do we go from here? I mean, parents and principals have been getting together and, and they've been talking about how can we have a better educational experience for our children given all of the limitations and things going on. The the Republican Party right now, they're trying to keep their power at the top in our political system. And the Democratic Party, they're vying their way to the top so that they can be at the top of our political system. I mean, if you think about all of the answers that people are proposing, where do we go from here? I mean, most people, if you just polled the average American, they want more money, greater comfort, more certainty. We want things to be on the up and up in the future. More, greater, better, faster, higher, stronger, Most of us, we want to move in the direction of these things. But this morning as we talk together, I want to offer you something. I want you to entertain the idea that perhaps, just perhaps, God actually wants us as people of faith to move in a very different direction than many other people are pushing us in. You see, This question, where do we go from here, this is a question that has really been asked since the very beginning of time. And if you look in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, in the Garden of Eden, I mean, what we find there, Adam and Eve were given absolutely everything they needed. And many of you are familiar with the story. Then one day the serpent comes to them and says, well, yeah, you think you have everything, but if you're disobedient to God, then you can rise a little bit higher And you can have a little bit more knowledge about how things work in this world. If you'll just do this thing I want you to do. And then, soon after that, in Genesis chapter 11, people began to scatter throughout the earth. A group of them said, hey, you know what? Let's build a city. Let's build a a tower together that reaches up to the heavens. Let's do something that can get us greater power, greater authority, great fame. How can we make a great name for ourselves in this world, and so they built the Tower of Babel. And then you have the disciples in, in Jesus' day. They were 
asking this question, where do we go from here? And they realize, okay, Jesus is going to be king of the kingdom. And so where do we go from here? Well, we want to be in the top spots in the kingdom. We want to be at his right hand and his left hand. And so one day they went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, hey, can we have spots of of great authority, great power? Can we be kind of at the top where you are? This is a question that people have been asking time and time Again, and in each of these cases in the Bible and throughout many others, when humanity has decided to ascend the ladder higher and higher, seeking more fame, more fortune, more influence in the world, so often what God tells them is this. He says, look, I know you think that moving higher and ascending is going to give you more joy, more peace, and more purpose in the world. But actually, in my kingdom, it doesn't work that way. In my kingdom, if you want true joy, true peace, and true purpose, then you don't need to seek to move up. Instead, you need to seek to move down. You need to move downward. And that's the direction I want to talk with you about this morning. Because downward is a direction that a lot of us, quite honestly, aren't aren't really comfortable with. And it doesn't really come naturally to us because our culture is constantly pushing us in the opposite direction. But when we look at Jesus' life and we just kind of zoom out on the big picture, what what you'll find is that really Jesus' life And the direction he lived, one of the directions he lived in was constantly moving downward. I mean, just think, okay, Jesus was born, and he he wasn't born to a rich family. He was born to a relatively poor family in the podunk town of Bethlehem. Then he eventually moved to, to Nazareth, which was a little bit of an upgrade. And we don't know a ton about Jesus's childhood, but we do know that he was a very smart child. He, he knew a great deal about spiritual things because we have this episode of him in the temple where, where he was enjoying discussing God's word with the scholars and the religious elites of that day. But what's interesting is that, that he didn't go off and get some elite education. He didn't, when he was old enough, move to the cultural centers of the world at the time. No, instead he stayed in Nazareth. And he stayed living with his parents until he was about 30 years old. And honestly, up to that point, a lot of people would say he didn't really have much to show for himself. And in today's culture, people probably would look at him and say, you know what, he's kind of like a failure to launch. But when he was around 30, Jesus did launch his public ministry. And as he launched his public ministry, he didn't go around just immediately telling everybody, hey, I am the sinless son of God sent by him into this world to save it. No, instead, he went to the wilderness. He went to the wilderness and he went and hung out with a bunch of sinners who were being baptized and he identified with them and he was baptized with them. And then soon after that, You might know the story, he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness as well. And and Satan tempted him to to get more authority, more power, to have more influence and popularity in the world. Uh, But Jesus, he said, you know what? No, I, I don't want those things like you're offering to me. 
And so he began pursuing his public ministry. He called together disciples who were just kind of average, everyday guys. He began teaching other people. He didn't charge for his lectures. He never published a great book. And when he was with his disciples doing ministry, he didn't typically hang out with people at the top. Instead, he hung out with people at the margins, people who were forced to live outside of the city because they were deemed unclean. He hung out with the outcasts, the poor, the lowly, the people who were down and out were Jesus's people. And when he began talking to the disciples and telling them about how he was going to transform the world and why he was sent into the world, there's an interesting interaction between him and Peter that we find in Mark's gospel. Because one day Jesus said to them, he said, hey, look, who do people say that I am? And they were offering up different answers. And, and Peter got the answer right. He said, look, you're the Messiah. You're the long-awaited, anointed ruler that we have been looking for. We want you to take over. We want you to get power. We want you to raise up an army. We want you to destroy all this stuff. We are excited to be at the top of things. And in the midst of this interaction, Jesus says this. He begins to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, about his trajectory, the direction he was moving in. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And now whenever that happens in Scripture, I mean, I'm always like, you know, we're shocked because we're living on the other side of the resurrection. We're like, really? Peter, you're going to rebuke Jesus, the Son of God? But, but Peter, he's, he's thinking, Jesus, none of this makes sense. You, you, can't, you can't suffer. You can't be rejected. You can't die. If you do, people will think you're weak. That, that people won't follow you. You're not going to be any kind of leader in this world like we've seen before. And, and, and he had no category for what Jesus was doing. And so right after this, Jesus turns and, and looks at his disciples and he rebuked Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And Jesus used these strong words because he, he knew that, that Peter didn't understand God's ways. Peter didn't understand that the resurrection and eternal life were going to come through crucifixion and death. He didn't understand that peace and purpose in this world were going to come through serving and suffering. This was a category that, that Peter almost couldn't fathom. But Jesus is telling them, look, the way I'm going to transform the world isn't the way this world typically works or people think things should go. Instead, I'm going to transform the world in a fundamentally different way. I'm going to move downward, suffer, die, and rise again. And, and Paul, reflecting on this, this trajectory of Jesus and, and, and the way Jesus lived, he, in his letter to the Philippians, says this about Jesus. He said, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Do you see the trajectory? God moved downward. God in the incarnation stepped into our world in the person of Jesus Christ. He emptied himself, made himself nothing. And then when he lived in this world, he continued to move downward all the way to the very bottom, to death on a cross, a torture instrument. Something that would have been unthinkable for people in that day. But then Paul continues and he says, yeah, that was the downward trajectory. But after Jesus died, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And here Paul, Paul is letting us know that, that Jesus... One who was up in heaven, he came down to lift us up. Jesus, one who was full and had everything and divine power, he emptied himself so that we in this world who were empty might become full. Jesus, who was first in the kingdom, made himself last for our sake so that we could have a place in God's eternal kingdom through faith in him. Jesus lived in a downward direction and God exalted him. And I want, I want you to, to notice something, this Philippians chapter two, verse five, in the verse right before this, something else that Paul says. He says right before all of this, he says, now, church in Philippi, in your relationships with one another, I want you to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. If you're writing to us today, he might say, Harvest Pointers, I want you to move in the direction of Jesus, sharing his mindset. Move downward. Lift others up above yourselves. Seek not your own interest, but seek the interest of other people. And, and Paul, Paul says this, not only because this is the path of Jesus, but, but he knows this is the path of life. This is the path of transformation for all of our relationships. And so he's saying, look, in your relationship with one another, if you have the same mindset as Jesus, you move in this direction, you humble yourselves, then your relationships will be transformed. Instead of discord, there will be unity. Instead of hate, there will be love. If you live in this way, your relationships with one another will fundamentally be transformed. But it doesn't stop there. When we live in a downward direction, our relationship with God is fundamentally transformed as well. James chapter 4, verse 10 tells us this. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And we see elsewhere, when we, we come before the Lord, humbling ourselves, saying, look, I, I need wisdom, God will give us wisdom. When we come before the Lord and we say, you know what, I, I, I'm broken, I don't know what to do, I don't know the path forward, I am a sinful person, I need a Savior through faith in Jesus Christ, we will be saved. When we come before God in a humble 
posture, our relationship with God is transformed. But not only are our relationships with others transformed, our relationship with God transformed, also our relationship with ourselves deep in our soul will be transformed when we begin living in a downward way. Because what we'll discover is that when we've been trying to ascend to the top of the ladder and we've been seeking upward mobility in our culture and trying to find true purpose and joy and peace and all of those things have been elusive for us, what you'll find is when you begin moving in a downward direction... That is exactly when you will discover true peace, true joy, and true purpose in your life. And now you may be thinking, well, okay, well, what, what, is, what does that look like? What does it look like practically to move in a downward direction? And I think one thing it looks like is, is something I heard a, a preacher say a few years ago. The preacher said, you know, when you walk into a room, a lot of us, we walk into a rooms with the mindset of a king or a queen. When we step into a room like a meeting at work or just into our homes after a long day out and about and we encounter our spouses or students, when you come home from school or you close your laptop after digital learning and you're encountering your family, a lot of us, we have the mindset of a king or a queen and we think, okay, well, how can these other people meet my needs and give me what I want and desire in this moment. He said, but think about Jesus. Jesus didn't walk around with the mindset of a a typical king like we would think, even though he was the true king. Instead, Jesus entered rooms with the mindset of a servant. And so when Jesus walked into a room, he didn't say, hey, how can I be served? He said, how can I serve? So this preacher said, you know, when you walk into a room, change your mindset. Don't act like a king or a queen. Instead, think and move like a servant. Move downward and think, how can I serve other people and help them in this moment? And when I heard that, I was like, okay, you know, it's kind of simple. Sounds like something a preacher would say. But then one day I caught myself acting like a king and I was angry because I wasn't getting what I wanted in that moment. And and I, I flipped the switch in my mind. And I said, okay, I'm acting like a king right now, a worldly king, but how instead could I act like a servant? And when I began living, thinking, and acting like a servant, in that room, the dynamic among people was transformed. So I think one thing moving downward looks like is, is changing the way we think and move and enter into rooms and relationships with other people. But I think another thing it looks like is asking different questions with our lives. Because a lot of us, when we think about, okay, where do we go from here? What's next for me? What's my future? A lot of times what we think about when we're making decisions is which of these decisions will give me more money, more comfort, more fame? Which of these will give me greater certainty, a a better life for me and my family? That's the way a lot of us think because that's what our culture is constantly pushing us toward. But moving in a downward direction means asking different questions when we're making big life decisions. It means asking, okay, what path would Jesus take in this moment? What direction would he head in? Which of these paths will help me love God 
and love other people more. And, and I just want to warn you, when you begin asking questions like that, your decisions begin to change. It might mean that, that you take a job with less money. It might mean you send your kids to a different school. It might mean you choose to live in a different neighborhood or pursue relationships and time with different people. But one thing I can tell you that it, it likely will look like is it likely will look countercultural. When we move downward, it's countercultural, and a lot of times it's uncomfortable. And that's the story of a woman named Antonia Brenner that I came across this week. Antonia was born in, in California, Beverly Hills area, and she lived for many years a kind of California upper class privileged life. And she, she had good money. She had a good family. She was married twice, divorced twice, uh, seven kids. And so she eventually got to a place in life after things just weren't working out quite like she, she hoped they would, where she said, you know what, I, I need more joy peace and purpose, and, and these things that I thought were going to give them aren't, and, and my life is, is, is kind of broken, and it's, it's not on the, the right trajectory. So she began serving other people. She began sending food to, to different organizations around the world, and one day, she went with her priest on a trip to Tijuana, Mexico, and there, she and her priest, they, they went to La Mesa Penitentiary there, a, a very rough primitive incarceration facility with people who had, who had done some bad things. And so she began serving there. And for the next few years, she would go there and, and she would love on the guys. She would teach the Bible. She would bring them supplies that they needed. But then one day, as she thought about the direction of her life and began asking this question, where do I go from here? She answered in a radical way. She said, I, I need to move downward. And so she sold most of her things and she moved into a 10 by 10 cell in that prison. Just a little simple crucifix on the wall, a few books here and there. And for the next 30 years of her life, she lived there while serving the men in that facility. She was a peacemaker during many riots that they had. She was a fighter for justice, helping fight for basic necessities that these men needed. She was constantly showing and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with these people that society had said, hey, look, these are the worst. These should, people should be left behind. Let's just forget about them. But she didn't forget about them. She moved toward them. And I was listening to an interview with her on YouTube. She's passed away now. And somebody was asking her about her life and her life purpose. And she said, you know what? When I think about my life, I feel like I'm God's mop. And I had to, I had to rewind on YouTube. I was like, what? She said, I feel like I'm God's mop. You know what a mop does? A mop makes things better and brighter and cleaner when you mop a room. And so she said, you know, that's kind of how I envision my life and my ministry. 
And when I got done with the interview, I thought, you know what? I've been in ministry a while, but I have never heard anybody say, I want to be a mop in God's kingdom. I've met very few people who even really want to physically mop floors. But Antonia said, God's mop, that's, that's what I want to be. And I began to think, you know what? If more of us were willing to say, God, I'll serve as a mop in your kingdom. I want to be a servant. I, I, I don't want to be served. I want to serve. I began thinking, how much cleaner, brighter, better would our world be? And you know the answer. It would be fundamentally transformed. And so as you begin to think, you know, where, where do I go from here? I want to challenge you this day to move in the direction of Jesus. Move downward. And let's ask God for the courage and boldness to do that. Heavenly Father, we confess that we so often seek comfort. We seek convenience. We want more stuff, more money, but so often we don't desire more of you. We don't desire more for the people around us and we fail to be servants in this world. And so God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would supernaturally fill us this morning and change us from the inside out. God, we ask that you would move our hearts, change our trajectory, help us to humble ourselves and our relationships with one another and our relationships with you so that we can be the people you've called us to be. God, we have been looking at this question, where do we go from here? And we know we don't have all the answers. But we pray that you would help us during this season to come pursue intimacy with you, to pursue community with other people in the body of Christ. We pray that you would help us to reach out to share and show the love of Jesus with a world that needs it. And God, we pray that you would help us do all of it with the spirit of Jesus Christ. A humble spirit. And we ask all of these things in his holy name. Amen.